1 Kings chapter 19. I want you to notice in verse 9, it says, And he, talking about Elijah, came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, what Elijah just said there was definitely what he was feeling, but it was not completely true. He actually was not by himself. It says in verse 14, and he said, And I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And God's kind of getting on Elijah a little bit because he's kind of having a pity party. At this moment, I've often heard people say one of the proofs that the Bible is written by God and not man is, you know, all the bad things it tells us about some of these men. And it's like, you know, if I'd have been writing the Bible, I would have included some of these stories. And I understand Elijah didn't write first Kings, but either way, you know, these are the kind of things, you know, these low points aren't really what you want everybody talking about. And Elijah here is actually at a low point. Now, don't get me wrong. Elijah is probably one of the greatest men that ever lived. I mean, he's one of two men that never died. He's, you know, one of the two witnesses. I mean, Elijah, without a doubt, is a great man, but Elijah's a sinner. He's not perfect. And here, he's having a bad day. Here, he's kind of out of sorts, but he's kind of blaming it all on Israel, calling out all the legitimate junk they're doing. And he's like, but you know what? I'm, I'm upset right now. I'm jealous, but I'm jealous for you, Lord. And... I'm the only guy that's left that's doing the right thing. But in verse 18, God speaking to Elijah said, Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Turns out there was a lot more left than what Elijah thought. Now, to just kind of put some of this in perspective, I do think we need to take into consideration some of the things that have just happened. Because the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal is the chapter before this, chapter 18. That just happened. We all know the story where he gets in a contest with the prophets of Baal and he wins decisively. Literally, after these guys put on a show where they're running around like a bunch of maniacs, cutting themselves, jumping on the altar, nothing happens. Elijah gets up, says a prayer, after dumping water all over his sacrifice, says a prayer, the fire comes down, and goes and just consumes everything, just showing Elijah's the God. And showing too that the God of Israel was the true God. Not only, so not only did Elijah have this epic moment. I mean, who doesn't want to see the fire fall? I mean, isn't that what they're looking for at every church today? We're just wanting the fire of God to fall. Amen. They literally saw the fire of God fall. And then the people who were watching said that the Lord, you know, the Lord is God. You know, they all got things right and then Okay? And I hope you all don't think I'm terrible for thinking this is a cool part of the story. But Elijah, not only did he win in his, prop, in his contest against over 800 prophets, false prophets, they got to slay them all too. You know, blessing of the Old Testament era. He got to take out the false prophets. And he got to do it. All these great things happen. I mean, in reality, you would think he would be at a high point in his life. But you know what? I mean, here... But here he is in a cave. And why is this? Well, in verse 2 of 1 Kings 19, after Elijah has this epic victory, 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Jezebel finds out what's going on. She decides to send him a negative message. And so, after, and so think about this. You would think after Elijah saw the fire of God fall, after the people of Israel are kind of on his side now, after he's destroyed all of her prophets, you would think when she comes along and says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah, he'd have been like, bring it. I mean, you think that's what he would have said. Uh, did you not just see what my God can do? And oh, by the way, Jezebel, I'd like to remind you about something I had prophesied about how the dogs are going to lick your blood. You're going to die, Jezebel. You are a wicked woman and these things are coming. And you know, even if you do, for whatever reason, take me out, God is going to get you. Without a doubt, it has been, it has already been prophesied. It's going to come. But folks, didn't matter after Elijah gets this negative message. Even after in chapter 18, verse 39, it says, When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said to them, Take of the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them at Elijah and brought them down to the book Kishon and slew them there. So again, what is he worried about? He should be on cloud nine, yet here he is in a cave, kind of throwing a fit, kind of having a negative moment. And we do, we often find ourselves in these low moments and it is the easiest thing in the world when you're at a low point to find an excuse for why we're there or especially to blame someone else. But the truth is people rarely do what they should do when they're at a low point and take an inward look and accurately diagnose the problem. And that's what happened with Elijah. We're going to see too where he misdiagnoses him diagnoses he did a misdiagnosis of himself that's how you say it okay and something that god has enabled us to do as christians with the holy spirit is we are supposed to be able to live joyfully live victoriously in spite of the circumstances around us and understand elijah's at a low point after an epic victory folks it's not uncommon to go to a camp meeting where they're trying to get everybody riled up and you know what chapter they usually go to first kings chapter 18 i mean i've heard so many just like pump you up, get you fired up messages from 1 Kings chapter number 18. The problem is, you know, in chapter 19, we see after Elijah got all these things, he's kind of having a low point. He's kind of having a pity party. This isn't right. But you know, in Philippians 4.11, I like what the Apostle Paul said while he was in prison. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So, again, it's very clear from the Bible that even at a low point, you can have joy. You can have contentment. You can have peace. You can have victory. And we also see in the Bible that even the most God, one of the most godly men there probably ever was, was capable of allowing himself to hit a low point at a time when he should have been at a high point in his life. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Circumstances are not what determine, you know, your, your spiritual state. That is not the case. Circumstances are not what determine, you know, where you are emotionally in your life. Circumstances are the things that we blame 
for our problems. That, that is the reality of it. And the truth is, and this is what I want to show you today, and I hope I can do this in one message. I might need to make this into a couple messages. But what, I, what, what everybody needs to do today, okay, and, and hear me out on this. When I say this, you're not going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But I think by the end of this message, you'll understand what I'm trying to say. What, we need, what everybody needs to learn to do today is they need to dethrone Jezebel. You need to dethrone Jezebel. Jezebel, obviously, is an extremely uh, wicked woman. She is a woman that, I mean, you don't ever want to get called a Jezebel, do you? You get called a Jezebel, you're not being complimented, ladies. All right, that's, that's not a good thing. But the truth is, many of us, men included, often allow Jezebel to rule and reign over our minds. And folks, that's what's going on with Elijah right here. Okay? Now, understand, when I talk about Jezebel today, I'm not talking about some woman making your life difficult, all right? Guys, we like to blame all our problems on you know, women and uh, unsubmissiveness and you know, feminism and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something. I believe everybody, okay, just like we have the whole, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit that's inside of you that's trying to get you to walk in the Spirit. I think every one of us, too, have a Jezebel that's inside of us who tries to get us to give into the flesh. And sadly, we got a lot of Ahabs who instead of taking care of business and putting his wife in his place, we allow Jezebel to sit on the throne of our mind and control what we do and dictate what we do. Did you know one of the reasons Ahab did a lot of the things that he did was because of Jezebel? And let me tell you guys, one of the reasons you do a lot of the bad things you do, it's not because of your wife, it's because of Jezebel. Not, not her, the Jezebel that, that gets in up there. That Jezebel that's inside of us. And, and I think I've got pretty good biblical precedent for making this comparison. It is just a comparison. I do believe we have a literal Holy Spirit. I don't know if we have a literal, literal Jezebel inside us, but I do think we have a figurative one. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll show you that from the Scriptures. But first off, we see where Elijah went wrong. He literally allowed Jezebel to sit on the throne of his mind. In a situation where he should be riding high. In a situation where he should just be praising God, eight, over 800 prophets, false prophets, dead. I beat them. I showed everybody. Israel is on my side now. I've defeated them. But Jezebel just comes along and with a message, sends Elijah hiding in a cave, throwing a fit. With a message, just words. And folks, he shouldn't have feared. You say, well, she was a queen. I get it. But clearly, God was on his side. Okay? Elijah clearly had God on his side in a big way. He should have known that. And so, it doesn't matter. And you would think, man, I would, if, if I saw something like that happen, I'd definitely have faith. You know, and I'd like to think I would too. But you know what? When we look at what happened with Elijah here, I'm not completely sure. But the truth is, when you let someone else dictate your emotions, your mental state, or whatever, you are allowing them to sit on the throne of your mind. It says in Proverbs 16.32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. You want to know a strong man? It's somebody who's got control up here. Somebody who can control himself, control his emotions. But the truth is, most people, when they get out of sorts, when they get a bad spirit, you know what they do? They blame everyone else. They, they start talking about everyone else. And it's like, okay, all right, I'll give it to you. 
All right, you know, let's just say, you know, that, you know, Kyle is just driving me crazy. I got a bad spirit. I have a bad attitude. And I just, you know, he's like, Pastor, I think you have a sorry attitude. He's like, well, you know what? If you had Kyle as a church member, you'd have a different, you'd have a bad attitude too. Yeah, but you know, you're not supposed to be that way. You're not supposed to have that kind of attitude. You're actually disobedience. I understand, but you don't understand. You know, Kyle has just been giving me all kinds of grief. You have no idea what it's like to pastor him. He's constantly causing problems. He's constantly doing this. And so I'm literally in disobedience, and I'm, but I'm blaming Kyle because of the state of mind that he's put me in. You know what I'm basically saying? Kyle is ruling over my emotions. Kyle is sitting on the throne of my mind. Pastor, that sermon you preached wasn't very good. It sounds like you haven't really been studying that much. Well, you know, I, I've been dealing with Kyle. I, I can't get him out of my head. You know, and it's like, and so I'm, I'm literally, I've literally, I'm admitting that he's on the throne of my mind. That until he goes and gets his act together, until he does everything that I think he should be doing to help me out, I'm going to be in disobedience. I'm going to be living in defeat. I have just declared him to be the Lord of my mind. I have declared him to be Lord of my life. And let me tell you, folks, there's always going to be Jezebels out there. There's always going to be people sending you a negative message. You're always going to have co-workers that are knuckleheads. You're always going to have co-workers that are going to make your job more difficult than it should be. Are you going to let them dictate how you act? Are you going to let them dictate whether you continue to be honest, whether you continue to have proper ethics and follow the rules, or are you going to blame them for why you're doing everything wrong? Everybody's going, you know, especially if you go to a church, in church, there's always going to be somebody that's got an issue. There's always going to be somebody who isn't everything they should be as a Christian, who's not doing what God wants them to do, who's in disobedience. But you know how many people today, because they're out of sorts with somebody in the church, they won't do what they're supposed to be doing. And then you ask them, hey, what's going on? Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Because of so-and-so. So they rule over your life. They dictate, uh, you don't understand how much it bothers me, how much it drives me. Oh, I, I get it. They have control over your mind. We, use, we say today, you know, they're living in your head rent-free. And we do. We let people live in our head. And that's what, and folks, let me, now, I, I get it. We've read, we've read the rest of the story. Did Jezebel kill Elijah? Not only did Jezebel not kill Elijah, Elijah still hasn't died to this day. So guess what? He, he really had nothing to worry about. Think about that. The thing that he feared, death, has never even come to him. He got taken up into heaven in a fiery chariot, in a whirlwind. So there was, he, he should not have had this moment, but yet he had this moment because Jezebel sent him a, uh, sent him a negative message. And so again, if your spirit is bad and your response is to blame someone else, they are ruler. you've revealed their rule of your life. If you are not doing something that you should be doing and you blame someone else, you have declared them Lord of your life. My Lord will not allow me to do what I want to do with a happy attitude. Well, I don't like giving people that kind of power. I don't know about you. Um, I'm kind of, uh, I, I love freedom. That's why we were so rebellious during the lockdown and all that kind of stuff. I don't like giving the government certain power. And you better believe, I don't want to give Jezebel power in my mind. I don't want to give somebody in this church power over my mind. And you know what? Kyle's all those things I said, but I don't let him rule over me. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't give me any trouble at all. But I, you know, even if he was, 
I, I shouldn't let him rule. I shouldn't let him dictate my spirit. There will always be people who are not what they are supposed to be. We, are, we will never live in a world where everyone that is surrounding us is just doing everything we need them to do and want them to do. But that's what we want. It's like we want to be God. We want to be the Calvinist God that ordains every little thing that everyone does. And whenever people aren't doing every little thing we want them to do, we lose it. And that's not right. And so God was going to take care of Jezebel. And, but you know what? He got to end up taking care of her you know, by Jehu. And, and you know, so Elijah didn't need to worry about him. So now turn over to Revelation chapter 2. Turn over to Revelation chapter 2. I want to show you something in Revelation chapter 2. Now, I'm not, I'm not taking a hardline stance on this or anything like that. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of ideas and speculation about Jezebel that we see in Revelation chapter 2. But I want to give you some thoughts and some possibilities about this Jezebel. So notice what it says in verse 18. And under the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, who calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, some people think this was a literal woman named Jezebel teaching in the church. That's possible. That's possible. Okay, but at the same time, but isn't that kind of a coincidence that you have two women in the Bible named Jezebel and they're both just horribly, horribly wicked? But at the same time, too, when you have someone who is so epically wicked like Jezebel, would you think it's possible that Jezebel could be a word used for a doctrine, a really bad teaching, or something really wicked like that, like a system of beliefs? For example, what do many people call the Catholic Church? They'll call it the great whore. You know, why is that? Because... Uh, you know, or the Bible actually, you know, talks about Babylon. A lot of people uh, make that connection. I don't. I, th- I think that's that's right. But they will often talk about her as a literal woman. But in reality, too, we're we're talking about a system. We're talking about a doctrine. And I think when it comes to Jezebel, it's very possible that they are talking about a system, about a doctrine that was creeping into this church. Now, if that's the case, what would it be? Well, let's read a little bit more. It says, and I gave, because notice, she taught and, sedu- and was seducing people to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And he says, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So is this talking about committing literal adultery with a woman? Or is this like the spiritual adultery, people who commit adultery with the great whore? That we see. And I think this is when we as a church, we allow a wicked doctrine to get into our church. It's like we're committing spiritual adultery. I don't believe the men in this church were committing literal adultery with a woman named Jezebel. And it's possible. I don't think that's, I, don't, I, I doubt that's the case. But, look, but then it says, But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine. 
Okay? So right there, too, is one of the reasons I believe it's referring more to a teaching in which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. I will put you put, uh, put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. So notice that, again, this, it, this appears like this Jezebel that's teaching, but this is more about a doctrine, about a system of belief. And, she's, and notice, too, what it mentions she's teaching. She's teaching and seducing people to commit fornication and eat things sacrificed to idols. You know what she's doing? She's getting people to defile themselves. Now, when it comes to teaching and seducing somebody to do that, you say, how, how could you teach somebody to do something like you know, committing fornication? You know, everybody knows that's wrong. Here's why, they're, here's why people are able to do that. Because that kind of thing is exactly what the flesh desires. Jezebel, the doctrine of Jezebel, what I believe it is, it's just a teaching that helps people justify in their mind giving their carnal flesh exactly what it wants. And folks, that doctrine is all over in churches today. I think Jezebel is being taught in a lot of churches today with all this weird hyper-grace or perverted grace stuff where you know what, you're saved, and you know what, who cares about the law, everything's legalism, and basically encouraging people, you know what, go ahead and get involved in alcohol. Go ahead and drink. You know what, people are legalists if they say something against it. You know what, who cares how you dress, who cares how you act. It's all, it's all legalism. You know what they're doing? That kind of teaching, while to some of us we're like, man, that is so wrong, but you know what, to the flesh it sounds pretty good. And so the Holy Spirit... He's inside of us, always trying to pull us away from the things of the flesh. But it's like inside us, we have Jezebel trying to get us, you know, go ahead and get involved in things of the flesh. And folks, you would be amazed the things that people have justified in their mind. Wicked things that people have justified. I heard a story one time of a preacher who was committing adultery in the church with a young lady in the church and his justification for that was his wife wasn't able to have kids and you know what Abraham had a child with Hagar and he was kind of hoping to get her, he was hoping to get the girl pregnant and it's just like okay not a, so here's the thing he came up with what he thought was a bible reason but at the same time that was the dumbest bible reason I've ever seen because Abraham had all kinds of problems as a result of what he did with Hagar that was wrong and what he did. Yet, in this guy's mind, you think, how could somebody do that? I'll tell you why. He got seduced by Jezebel. And I'm not talking about the girl that he fooled around with. I'm talking about in his mind, he let his... He, and we do. We all have things of the flesh that we are tempted with. And it, it is the easiest thing to do to justify in our mind. Whatever sinful habit you have, you can find a way to justify in your mind. You know why? Because Jezebel will help you do it. Jezebel will help give you the excuses that you need. And if you do, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to let Jezebel decide what I do, she's going to get you involved in all kinds of sin. That's just how she works. And that's what was going on in that church. This church, they were saved. They had a lot of good works. They were doing a lot of good things. But they had this doctrine of Jezebel that was in their church. And it was causing these people who were saved to give themselves over to things of the flesh. They're eating meat sacrificed to idols, which was something God didn't want them to do. They're going and committing fornication, which was something God had specifically told them not to do. And it was easy for her to seduce these people because it's just it's easy to justify what our flesh wants. Every time you go on a diet, every, every time you go on a diet, it's the easiest thing in the world to justify cheating on your diet. No matter how much your spirit wants to lose weight, you know what? Jezebel's in your mind. 
it's Sunday, eat the donut. You know? It's the easiest thing in the world. And, and we do. And we fall for it every time and guilt free, we dive right into that donut. Every time. Why? Jezebel. She's ruling over the minds of people, and we cannot, we cannot let that happen. We cannot let Jezebel rule in our mind. And so I do, I believe this doctrine of Jezebel was something that too, it can't be forced on anyone, but it could, you could easily tempt people into accepting it in their mind. And if Jezebel rules in your mind, Jezebel will always find a way to give your flesh whatever it wants. Remember what she did when Ahab was throwing his fit because he couldn't get Naboth's vineyard? I'll tell you how you can get it. Let's go find a couple reprobates who will do anything for a little bit of money and let's get them to lie. She didn't even tell Ahab, you know, just let me take care of it, Ahab. I'll figure it out. And, you know, and, and that's, that's how she is. That's how she always was. So I believe the first thing Elijah did wrong, he let Jezebel sit on the throne of his mind. Another thing Elijah did wrong is he misdiagnosed the motivation for his actions. Because again, when we're ready to throw a fit, it's easy to justify throwing a fit. Okay? When you're mad, it's easy to tell everyone why you're mad. But in reality, why you're mad probably isn't the reason that you think it is. There's something that we all tell ourselves. Again, we like to blame everyone else. But we rarely are going to tell ourselves what we need to hear. And notice what it says in 1 Kings 19 and verse 10. He says, and he said, because God wants to know what's wrong with him. I've been very jealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel. Have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Yeah, I'm in a bad mood because Israel's wicked. And guess what? Israel was wicked. Israel had done every one of these things. That Elijah said, and he's like, you know what? And I'm, yeah, I'm out of sorts right now, but I'm jealous for you, God. And did you know that it's possible to be jealous for the Lord? The apostle Paul, he told the Corinthians, he's like, you know, I'm jealous over you with the godly jealousy. And we got to understand too, you know, je- there's a difference between jealousy and envy. Jealousy is not a bad thing. Okay. It's, it is okay for a man to be jealous over his wife. You know why? Because it's your wife. So obviously there's nothing wrong with that. We belong to God. God has every right to be jealous over us. Now, envy, that's when you're, you know, when you kind of have a lot of those same feelings towards something that's not yours. And we shouldn't be that way. Being envious is a sin. And a lot of times we kind of mix those two up. And I'm not going to take the time to discuss the difference between those two things. But again, being jealous for someone, that's a good thing. Okay? You know, if I saw one of the wives in this church flirting with some other guy out there, I'd be jealous for the men in this church. I'd be, I'd be jealous for your sake. I'd probably have a problem. I'd have a problem with that. That would upset me. That would be offensive to me. And so Elijah here, he's just telling God, yeah, I'm in a bad mood, but Lord, look at what all these people are doing to you. And not only that, I'm the only one that's doing things right. And so, but the, the, you know, so he's, this is what he's saying is causing his bad attitude, but the truth is, it wasn't. And here's, because here's powerful emotions, it can cause carnal men to do bad things, whether the emotion is sin or not. Again, jealous, jealousy is not sinful, but it's a powerful emotion that can cause us to sin. Okay? Uh, you know, I know, I heard about a preacher recently who found out his wife was committing adultery, 
and he went and shot the guy. Yeah, I don't think that's the way to handle it. But at the same time, too, kind of understand why he did it, you know. And I, I wasn't super mad at the guy, you know. But at the same time, you know, that, that's not the way you handle it. But jealousy will make you do it. Anger. Anger by itself is not a sin. The Bible even says be angry and, and sin not. But most of the time when we're angry, we sin. Powerful emotions with a carnal man is almost always going to cause problems. Any powerful emotions, even with the spiritual man, can easily get you into a carnal mindset and get you in trouble. These are very dangerous things. So the truth is, whenever there is something that upsets you, you can't let Jezebel get in your head and tell you, you know, what you are wanting to do right now is right. Because that's what she does. So when you're angry and you feel like punching somebody in the nose, and you feel like punching somebody in the nose. But the thing is, that's probably not the right thing to do. But Jezebel will make you feel good about it. Jezebel will tell you, hey, they've got it coming. And, and it, the, what I kind of picture in my head, too, you know, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like a fighter, right? You know, it's like in, inside us, you know, we got we have the spiritual man and the carnal man. And they're like in a boxing match between each other. And it's like the spiritual man, he's in one corner kind of taking a break. And his trainer, the Holy Spirit, he's there trying to guide him, trying to you know, keep him focused, trying to not let him get in the spirit. And then you've got the carnal man, he's over in the other corner, and his trainer's Jezebel. And, and she's over there telling him, fight dirty. You know, give in to the anger. You know, do all these things. You know, just, you know, you know, she's saying all the wrong things. And the thing is, you know, the carnal man, it has the things that it wants to hear. It has the things that, I mean, it's, it's so easy to trick somebody. Again, if I am mad, if I am in a state of anger, it's not going to be hard for someone to get me to sin. It's not going to be hard at all. And Jezebel, she takes advantage of those things. And we can't let her get in our head and tell us what we're wanting to do right now. You know, she'll tell you, you're just standing for the truth in the Bible. You know, I, don't, I don't think I should call that guy a bunch of names and reprobate and stuff like that. No, it's, it's Bible. You know, I don't think I should be mocking that person right now. Elijah mocked people. You know, I mean, that, she'll give you a Bible excuse for these things. She'll tell you these things. But, you know, the truth is, the real reason I want to go after this false prophet, it's not because I'm jealous for the Lord. It's not because I care for the people that they are lying to. It's because I'm irritated by him. They're stealing my following. He made a video rebuking me and made me look bad. And so now, so that's a real reason I hate this guy. We got to ask yourself, do we really hate this guy because he's a false prophet and we love souls so much? Or are we hating this guy because he's our opponent? Now, Jezebel will tell you it's because of all the people he's sending to hell. But are, are you sure about that? You know, and the, the truth is, it is easy to be diagnose herself. I'm fired up right now. It's a righteous indignation. I'm going to call this preacher out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to show everybody who's right. Why? Because you want truth to get out there? That might be what Jezebel's telling you. But maybe the real reason is, is just because, no, my pride's hurt. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit, he'll probably tell you, you know what, just let God take care of it. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell. Because Jezebel knows exactly what your flesh wants to hear. And there is always something that your flesh wants to hear. There's always, and she knows how to get it to you. And so the, there are plenty of things, and there are, there are plenty of sins that irritate 
my carnal flesh. There's things that are sinful that bother me. Okay? You know, I, you know even though I'm sinful, you know, or, you, you know even you know, I'm, I'm bothered by things like gossip. I'm bothered by... There's all kinds of different sins that bother me. I'm bothered by homosexuality. I'm bothered by perversion. There's a lot of things that bother me. But at the same time, too, are these things bothering my flesh or are they bothering my spirit? Because there's other sins that don't bother me. Have you ever thought about the sins that don't bother us? But we do. It's real easy for us to get super fired up about some sin and then just act like a maniac and then just declare ourselves spiritual. But it's like, but wait a minute. If you're really jealous for the Lord's sake, why are we so concerned about this sin that literally, you know, and again, there, I think we should all be irritated by homosexuality. I think, and, I, and hopefully we all are. But at the same time, that's not even a thing in our church. So why do we get so irritated by that? Why will we spend so much time on that while we ignore things that are in, in our own church? Because those are the things that really should be bothering us. Homosexuality is not causing, it's never caused any problems in our church. But you know what? Other sins can cause problems in our church and have caused problems in our church. But yet, we're not worried about those things. You don't want to hear preaching on those things. You want to hear me rip on the homos. And you say, no, it's because I just, hey, I hate perversion. I hate, you know, that they have victims. I hate all these. I got all these excuses for why I can hate it. And you know what? That might be right. But are you sure that that's what it is? Because you know what? I think Elijah was just ticked off that Israel wasn't doing what he thought they should be doing. You know, Israel, you know, Elijah's been doing the right thing for a long time. He's been taking a stand. Israel's not doing what they're supposed to do. And he's just aggravated. A lot of times these guys are thinking, you know, Lord, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you punishing these people? You know, and just things weren't going the way they wanted to. And, you know, sometimes I, I do. You know, when I, when I honestly start looking at these things, I sometimes question, you know, what is my motivation for hating these things? Because we do. We all have the sins that bother us and their sins but it might not really be spiritual reasons for why we're against these things so much. And so again, are you just as annoyed with your own sins or are you only annoyed at sins of other people? Are you just as annoyed with the sins of people that you love and get along with great? Or are you more annoyed with the, the same sins and even lesser sins with other people? These are the questions we got to ask ourselves. And you know what? Jezebel will tell you your motivation's right. No, you're, 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 you're right about this. No, this is, this is a godly hatred for a sin. Are you sure about that? Because I, I know when I do some self-checkups on these things, I find myself as like, yeah, you know, I, I think this just bothers me. And you know, you gotta, you gotta, I, I try to watch out for this stuff. You know, but you know, every preacher has their hobby horse. They have their things that just really get their goat so much. And you know, we got to watch out just about making everybody miserable because of our own hobby horses and then acting like you know, it's just a spiritual thing. I just, I've got to get everyone, I've just got to get everybody hating the same things I do and I've got to get everybody liking the same things I do. That's not really the way to go. So I, Elijah, so not only was I, I believe he wrong and just, I think he misdiagnosed his problem. I think he was just kind of felt lonely. I think he was even a little self-centered. And God said there's 7,000 that have, haven't bowed the knee to Baal. So the truth is, Elijah 
said he had declared a reality to be according to his own personal feelings and emotions. Because what did he keep saying? I, even I only am left. That was his reality. But was that reality? No, that wasn't reality. God said, yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him. And you know what? During that time, that was probably, that was probably a hard time for those 7,000 people too. I'll bet those 7,000 were probably going through a tough time. Some of them might have been in hiding during that time. So we don't know what all was going on. We don't know what kind of things that they were dealing with. But I wonder how many other people were feeling alone like Elijah during that time. But they're doing the right thing out of a love for the Lord. And you know what? Elijah didn't have any right to go saying, I'm the only one left when there's 7,000 other people that are doing something. And we're like that. We can get that way as a church where it's like we're just the only good church that there is. It's easy to get that attitude. We can get, you know, I think we're often that way as just IFB in general. But we can even get that way as our own church. As man, the rest of the churches, they would just get on our program, you know, the problems of, you know, America and Christianity would be solved. Probably not. You know, not, not only are we not as alone as we think we are, but you know what? We're probably way down lower on the list than we think we are. So, he, so the, the truth is, we often allow, uh, or we, what causes us to act wrong, have the wrong spirit, fail in areas, is because we have a false sense of reality. Most, a lot of people today... They can't, as they say, can't see past the nose and the end of their face. What are they saying? This is, this is their world right here. That's their whole world. And when things aren't good in this world, things are bad everywhere in the world. You know how many people are out there just waiting for the, you know, some asteroid to just come, take this country out to put them out of their misery? It's like, anybody ever felt that way before? It's just like, all right, you know. But folks... Let's think about it. You want the whole country destroyed because you're having a bad day. <laughs> well, you know, what, what about that couple that's getting married this weekend? You think they want the asteroid to come yet? You know, what, you know, what about that lady that's about to have her first baby and she's so excited about it? You know, there's, a, there's a lot of good things out there. There's a lot of people that are, things are going good in their life. But because things are bad in your life, and, and what do we do too? When things are bad in our life, and maybe it's because of the system, okay? And folks, the system's bad in this country. And you've got guys out there that they're, you know, they've, you know, their wives have been able to leave them, get all the money, get all the kids, and the system was stacked against them, and it wasn't right, and it wasn't fair. I just want this whole country to be destroyed. But it, you know, and that, that's their attitude, because it's wicked. I hate this country because it's wicked. They do this, they do that. We got sodomy, they got all this junk going on. But then, but it's like, but listen. There's also people in this country who have a good life right now, who are happy, who are enjoying themselves. And you want it all to end because in your world things are bad. That, that's not right. That's not the way we should be. And we get that way too. Even in a church, you know, things aren't going good for me. If I'm not happy, everybody should feel that way. No, they shouldn't. You, should, you shouldn't want it to be that way. But that's the attitude we get. You know why? Because just very self-centered. And folks, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. Even Elijah. Even Elijah had this attitude. Even, if somebody like Elijah can have that attitude, you better believe you and I can have that attitude. If we're not careful. And it's not right. And so sometimes your world might be caving in. But you know, the rest, rest of the world's doing fine. 
But no, because your world's caving in, the whole world's caving in. And, and you've got to bring everybody down with you. Folks, it's the apocalypse right now. I mean, it, you know, this is, this is the end of days. Well, maybe for you. Okay? Stop bringing us into your just fantasy disaster movie scenario. You know, it's just, you know, we, we, we don't, we're not there. Don't make us feel that way, okay? That's not right. And so your world, and a lot of times your world has caved in because Jezebel's on the throne. Elijah should have been on cloud nine. He had the, one of the most epic victories that we are still talking about today, but he was pouting in a cave. Why? Because Jezebel said something. Jezebel ruined everything for him. You can't let Jezebel get in the throne of your mind. And how many times do we as God's people, we throw a fit in our mind just because our world's caving in and we've got to bring everyone down with us. Well, in the meantime, we act like we're the only one doing God's work. And the reality is, there's, you're ignoring the 7,000 that are still out there facing challenges. You know, you're, you're, you know, I wonder how many people were in Paul's. There was probably people in Paul's day, probably in the church in Philippi, who because they, you know, they had their own child, maybe they're having financial problems, and they just thought like, this is the end. But then you know what? You have the Apostle Paul writing to them from prison. And then, you know, I'd like to think if I'd have been sitting there complaining about my financial problems, you know, maybe I had even had some health problems or something about something like that. And then they, I come to church and they read Paul's letter to them and you find out Paul's in prison. And not only is Paul in prison, but Paul's saying, I'm content. Like, like really? You know, me and my wife, we just had a knockdown drag out, you know, because, you know, we're arguing over, you know, buying new furniture, something like that. You know, we felt like victims because ours is old and all the neighbors have newer furniture than we do. Yeah. Those are the things that get us out of line. Those are the things that cause our world to cave in sometimes. While in the meantime, you got other people being victorious sitting in prison. you got other people victorious going through tragedies in their life, going through real challenges. And the only difference is, okay, the reason Paul was able to be victorious in prison is because the Holy Spirit was ruling in his life. The Holy Spirit was having his way, while some of us... We can have everything going great. We can be healthy. We can have all these things going for us, but yet the world's over. Why? Because Jezebel told us it was. Jezebel said so. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit told us everything's all right. The Holy Spirit told us everything's going to be okay. The Holy Spirit told us we can do all things through Christ. The the Holy Spirit told us that we can be overcomers, that we are victorious, that that we have the victory. That's what the Holy Spirit says. And so even if things literally are crashing around us. The Holy Spirit says we're winning. Even in the tribulation when the Antichrist is making war with the saints and prevailing over them, God said that the saints overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and they loved not their lives even unto the death. So you know, even when we are losing, we're winning according to God as long as we're not sinning. But the, the key is, it's not, it's not about the circumstances, folks. It's never about the circumstances it's all about who is on the throne. Let's let the Holy Spirit rule and let's dethrone Jezebel. Let's get rid of her out, get the eunuchs of your mind together and have them grab her and throw her out the window and watch, the, watch her splatter all over the place and the dogs come and eat her up. That's what needs to happen in the hearts and minds of God's people. And if we'll do that, 
We can actually, you know, you know we, can, we can enjoy things. You know, it, it's amazing how, you know, even in a, in a church like ours, you know, you, there's so many things we have going. I mean, you know, we had seven people saved last week. We got four people saved out soloing us. You know, the, you know, every time somebody gets saved, it's a miracle. Did you know? But, but at the same time, you can have miraculous things like that and yet still a negative spirit. Why? Because Jezebel will tell you something negative. Well, this other church had eight people saved last week. You know, and they've got this going for them. They got that going for them. You know, just folks. I, I don't know if we can totally kill Jezebel. I, I don't know, but you know, we we can't ign- learn to ignore. And it's all about just getting as close to God as we can. It's all about getting as close to the Holy Spirit, following leading the Holy Spirit. That'll make all the difference. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so much for this uh, story that we have in the Bible. And Lord, I'm thankful for great men like Elijah. Uh, but Lord, it, uh, this is a reminder that even the godliest of men uh, can make some mistakes and have some low points. And so I pray you'll help us to always be aware of that. Help us to always keep you the focal point in our life. Help us to always uh, be diligent in follow, following the leading of the Holy Spirit and help us just to keep Jezebel off the throne and so we can keep doing the right thing to your return. In your name we pray. Amen.